It's Saturday night in comedy and the end of another month of jokes. And that means it's time again for the roundup. Tonight on the panel, we sit down with a summer smorgasbord of comics, podcasters, and industry insiders to dissect everything in showbiz on and off stage this past month. From politics to punchlines, I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go inside the joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! Right here, as always, on 640 Toronto, and of course, streaming as ever, everywhere where there's the internet, all across planet Earth, even places like Armenia, which is in the Middle East, on Global News Online. This week's episode is brought to you by absolutely not a soul, but it is, of course... (laughs) The end of yet another month of comedy, July, absolutely, sorry, June, absolutely flew on. Of course, we are rapidly approaching festival season. The big one is coming up very soon. JFL Montreal is back in its 41st year this summer. Uh, Toronto, of course, lots of festivals coming up soon. It's just around the corner. But of course, we have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the air. How are you doing, buddy? Great. Fantastic, cat. I've had a better week. I, I might not know what month it is. I just know that it's the end of a month. So that, of course, means that it's time for the roundup, Vince. So we have a full panel with us this week. Uh, returning friend Tim Progosh, who our listeners might know best from uh, the recently minted Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. So they have a whole slew of 2023 inductees to announce uh, some massive names there, some heavy hitters in Canadian comedy. Uh, cast of SCTV is among them. Uh, Mary Walsh, of course, uh, of sketch comedy fame. So there's there's a lot of big names coming up there. So Tim Progosh joins us on the panel. We have our old friend, touring headlining club comic Andrew Barr. He's got a new album taping coming up here in Toronto. And two new friends of the show from out on the East Coast, Scott McLean and Sarah McClellan. They are the hosts of the Scott versus Sarah podcast, which is very much just a show about being best frenemies and having conflicting viewpoints on pretty much everything under the sun. Uh, We got a whole month of showbiz and politics and the world collapsing on itself to unpack with these guests here, Vince. It's a full panel on the roundup. Yeah, we got stand-ups, we got podcasters, we got Hall of Famers. Look at this. How can you not love this show? In the industry. (laughs) Who says comedy doesn't sell? I don't know. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Anyways, it's the roundup right here on Inside Jokes. You can feel it. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, streaming all across the entire known MCU, everywhere where there's the internets on Global News Online. This week's episode is brought to you by absolutely no one. We are newly single and looking to mingle right here in Season 7 of Inside Jokes, but it, of course, is the end of yet another month of comedy, and that means it is time again For the roundup, we have a whole who's who in Canadian comedy joining us on the panel. We got podcasts happening. We have new Hall of Famers being announced. We got a new album taping coming up in Toronto. There's a full panel. Let's get right to it. We've got, out on the East Coast, we have Scott McLean and Sarah McClellan, who are, of course, the co-hosts of the Scott versus Sarah podcast, which is all about being best frenemies and basically disagreeing (laughs) on every possible topic under the sun. How are you two doing? We are very well. I'm very, very well. well. Haven't fought yet today. You haven't fought yet today? Well, this is the perfect format to do that on. Uh, we have our returning friend of the show, Tim Progosh, who, by the way, I'm going to point out to our listeners right now, he is sitting in the Great White North set, which is quite perfect because I know the cast of SCTV is, of course, one of the nominees coming up this year in the Canadian Comedy Hall of, For- uh, Hall of Fame. But, Tim, I have to ask you, 
How good are you at doing the call of the North call? I can't do it. My voice is fried. <laughs> I can't go that high. That's, that happens to me every time. It happens to me. I, every I, time. I, I need tight, I need tighter shorts. There we go. It is it's a for effort for sure. I I break every time I do that too. And last but certainly not least, another returning friend of the show. We haven't chatted with him in a while, but he does have a new album taping coming up here in Toronto this upcoming week. Andrew Barr is with us. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good to hear from you. I mean, I know this is perfect because I mean, yes, the roundup panel we always just have. It's sort of a whole cross section. Here's what happened this past month in comedy, politics, life on and off stage, and of course, these are very ripe times for that because the world is imploding on itself. And of course, there's no shortage of controversy in the land of comedy. Uh, one thing I do want to get into because, of course, we do have Tim on the panel first up is, of course, Canadian Ho Comedy Hall of Fame. There is a whole slew of 2023 inductees. I know you got some pretty iconic names to announce this year, Tim. How important do do we all think as comedians and as industry people and as podcasters and hosts, how essential is this? Because this is something that we never really did until this Hall of Fame was started, which one thing we've always been kind of horrible in Canadian comedy and Canadian showbiz is recognizing our own. We kind of only have ever, we've notoriously only ever done that if they make it big in the States and then we go, yeah, they're Canadian. But this is really about sort of waving the foam finger and touting our own talent and trying to foster that here at home in a way that we have been trying to scratch our heads to do for years. How essential is this to us as Canadian comics? Well, if you're, if you're asking me, I, I think it's pretty uh, essential. I, I first went on stage as a, a stand-up in a contest in 1980. And uh, um, I've grown up with some uh, legends. And uh, I think if we forget the past, uh, we're not doing a service to the people who actually paved the way. And we may not know their names. They may not be legends in our minds, some of the people who are nominated. But um, certainly uh, when we do the inductions, our first inductions in 20 years were last year. And, you know, to be able to, I was fortunate to be able to be the one doing the speech for Mike McDonald to induct him. And I yeah. remember seeing him in Ottawa at uh, Hiccups opening for Jimmy J.J. Walker. Uh, and he blew him off the stage. Like Jimmy Walker said dynamite about 10 times. And then <laughs> Mike McDonald was funny the whole time. Uh, and that's been my experience in comedy. And we, we, we are really good at it. And um, it's nice to have some kind of celebration here and to compete. And I'll just finish this point. It's international and Canadian. So we want to see like this year, you'll see Billy Van and Jim Carrey. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people around the world may not know the name Billy Van, but he was every bit as funny as Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey's pretty funny and started here. So we're not making the decision of who's more important. We're saying that they're both funny and they yeah. both contributed to an industry which has grown uh, and will continue to grow. And hopefully we have an influence by celebrating the past to make people want to get into it and move towards the future. Well, and that's, I mean, I certainly, everybody on this panel, I think, knows that's sort of always been the crux in Canadian comedy. I mean, bar for you, I mean, all the people that you came up with and that you work with constantly, how many times as Canadian comics are you sitting there in the green room with somebody and you're doing a show with somebody and you're going, man, if only people knew, if only people knew how good this person is. And it's just, for us, there's so many comics that we happen to be fans of who are household names to us just because we work with them and we go, oh man, if only the whole world knew about this person. I'm going to throw that to the panel, actually. Do you guys think, especially now, post-pandemic, or the pandy, as we like to call it on this show, because let's <laughs> let's make that more fun, but I, I kind of feel like, does geography matter a little less now? Does it matter so much 
where you live and work? Is it more possible now? And listen, I'm not talking about blowing up and becoming rich and famous. I think anybody who gets into comedy, especially in Canada, that's you, you got the wrong business there. You got the wrong plan. But is it more possible to live and work in Canada? Does geography matter as much anymore? It's It, it feels like it's a lot more possible to sort of do things yourself now. I mean, I totally agree with that. I think like things like podcasts and, you know, content creation can be done anywhere. Um, like Scott and I are, you know, in the Halifax scene on the East Coast. And there's definitely like, I would say like advantages and disadvantages to the the small scene that we have here. So I feel like for us, you can only go kind of so far in Halifax before you should maybe relocate to Toronto yeah, or definitely somewhere else. The glass ceiling that we kind of have here just because, but that's broken by something like this because you look at podcasts and you look at the analytics, you can see people are watching from all over and the same being true from, uh, I guess, you know, a lot of comedians seemed, it used to be, you know, you had to work your way up in a certain, uh, uh, through the clubs and, and, and yeah. get the opportunities that came, um, a lot easier to just go out and put out a bunch of clips, like a lot of like big names today, are able to do that simply through YouTube shorts and Instagram reels, TikToks and stuff like that, where they're just posting pictures of their standup or videos of their standup and getting out there and then yeah. getting people coming to, to them to book them. So, yeah. And all over the place, you know, reaching people in the States, other countries, like you never know when something will quote unquote blow up, you know, like a, you yeah. just put out content, you do it consistently. Um, people are going to notice. Right. So. It is true. That's something I want to come back to after the break because it does feel like we are finally in, a, in this era right now where comics themselves are steering the ship a lot more yeah. than they used to be able to. Like, obviously, the gatekeepers still exist and the industry infrastructure is still there, but it does feel more possible to sort of strike out and do your own thing. But more on that after the break because we do have to go to commercial from some kind of a sponsor, but we're going to come back with more of the Roundup panel right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, I'm Andrew Barr, and I'll be recording a new album June 26th at Comedy Bar, 8 p.m., and you're listening to Inside Jokes. He's really made from all these things. Back to Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, as always, streaming everywhere where there's the internets on global news online it is the end of another month of punchlines and that means of course it is time for the roundup we have a full cast of comics on the panel tonight we've got podcast hosts producers industry insiders stand-ups uh before the break we were talking about the fact that it does and of course because of advents like the canadian comedy hall of fame and finally the ability to sort of start recognizing our own talent and sort of build that quote-unquote star system here in canada that we've always struggled with but it also does feel like it is a lot more possible in this moment for comics to sort of pave their own way and be responsible for their own career. Mm -hmm. And I think certainly, I mean, if there was a silver lining to the last couple of years post pandemic, that did kind of change because we had a couple of years where all the major festivals were on hiatus. The clubs were shut down. There was no tours. So you had comics going, well, I have to do something. So they started hitting the air. They started their own record labels. They started pumping out digital content. And now 
coming out of that, we're in this sort of big spring awakening now where, yeah, the festivals are wide open. Festival season is just around the corner. The clubs are back. New audiences are streaming in. Now you have a lot of comics that sort of built their own way. I mean, Andrew Barr, you have an album taping coming up here in Toronto. You always, you, you, you're one of those comics that always went at it sort of the OG way in Canadian comedy, which is you go out, you hit the mics, you work your way up, you get signed by the clubs and you go out and you pound the pavement. Can't Canadian comedy was all about kilometers always you have to be an old school road dog which you still very much are you're very much a club comic you're very much out on the road a lot yeah for you does it matter so much where you are anymore or do you think it's more possible to just sort of do your own thing as a comic um i i think like tiktok and stuff and that has been helpful for like people creating their own sort of um brands and audiences over the last few years we've really seen some people um blow up kind of all on their own figuring out the algorithm stuff and things like that um, it seems like those guys who managed to figure that out still do, do use that momentum as a way to leave here, like, um, you know, to make the jump to the States and bigger ponds and things like that. It's sort of like a really good springboard into bigger markets, but it, it does still seem like people are like using the ability to blow up on your own as a means to get out of here and they're not yeah. necessarily sticking around, um, it's just, I think it's always going to be tough in Canada because so much of the media that we consume comes from America. Um, so people just don't think of their own artists as people to be famous, I guess. Like it's, it's amazing how often I'll talk to an audience member and they'll be like, Oh, I love stand up comedy. Stand up comedy came to the Legion last year. We had the best time of our lives. It yeah. was the greatest day of my life. I laughed harder than I have ever laughed. I couldn't feel my face at the end of the show. My sides hurt. It was the best day of my life. And I'm like, okay, who was the comedian you saw? And they're like, I have no idea. It's like describing the greatest the day of your life. You think you'd remember the man's name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like um, that's sort of how it's always felt here. And I, I think that, um, um, yeah, that we can do a lot for ourselves now with online content. I'm admittedly bad at that. I don't like having to constantly churn things out. I'm more of a, I like to polish things in the dark and then show them to people when they're ready. So this honestly new age of constantly, constantly creating content is per, like my personal hell. Um, <laughs> but what that's no judgment against how anyone else is doing their thing. It's just not for me, but, uh, it, it's definitely a useful tool, but from what I've seen, people are using it to kind of blow up and then get out and go to the bigger markets where they can really make some money. I think, you know, in seven and a half seasons of this show, that might be one of the most succinct ways anybody has summed up Canadian comedy, which is polishing things in the dark. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Good time. I like That's that. pretty much it. But I mean, it's kind of funny because obviously, you know, some of the names on this list this year for the Hall of Fame remind me of this too, because in Canadian comedy, we've sort of always had a bit of an identity crisis as well because stand-up itself is such an inherently North American art form. It's like jazz, you know, it came from here. Now it's all of them, but we always had a bit of an identity crisis because yeah, you're right next door to Hollywood. We're always going to be dwarfed by that. And even our sensibility in our stand-up, in our sketch, in our improv, we're sort of this weird stepchild between, you know, we have the American behemoth right next door. And we also mm -hmm. have this sort of like, UK sensibility in a lot of our sketch and a lot of our, I mean, certainly Tim, a lot of the sketch greats that came out of this country. And it's certainly a lot of the names that are on the hall of fame yeah. list. That was very much, you know, a lot of that sort of British camp and absurdity and a lot of those values were really imbued in a lot of our sketch comedy in Canada. I, I for, for sure. I mean, God, 
we've got two casts nominated this year, the cast of SCTV and the cast of Codco. And then you have, you know, Eugene Levy and Martin Short, um, both nominated and Billy Van, all sketch guys. And um, I think it also is a little bit to do with the fact of our um, tradition of storytelling. In the Eastern Townships, I, I come from Ottawa originally. They're all good storytellers of all my relatives, you know, the Irish storytellers in the pubs. And that's a lot of that came from that. And and it's so cold for six months of the year that you got to figure out something to do with your time. So it's um, that's a lot, got a lot to do with it. But we also gave sketch a chance i mean um shows like uh the house of uh hilarious house of frightenstein uh yeah. um sctv smith and smith red green there's another sketch guy um so you know chch tv gave him a chance gave him a chance to do a show and then it turned into something codco yeah. cbc gave it a chance and then they developed this hour is 22 minutes and it's still running so there are those chances uh i just think that because it's so small. The pool is so small. Then the networks in their, I'll use the word wisdom. Um, I don't know if it's the right word. Um, <laughs> try to, try to like they're the gatekeepers and they'll try some people and they'll become the flavor of the month. And I remember Ron Vaudry a long, long, long time ago when he was in my, one of the best I've seen in front of an audience. And uh, he would turn around and say, I, I just wish I could get hit with the hip stick. So uh, maybe the crossover of the, of the media, if you can use that to your advantage, um, really helps. But there's no substitute, especially when it comes to stand up and even sketch. There's no substitute for going out in front of a live audience. And if they laugh, you're funny. If they don't laugh, you're not funny. And we've had people that resonate around the world with our sense of sensibility our, our sensibility our kindness our uh, ability to look at things and assess where there's common ground it's it's in our country it's in our sensibility that's what Catherine O'Hara said in her acceptance speech last year when she was inducted she says it's our sensibility and Canadians have it and I, I admire the people who are still out there in the road doing it and they're still funny I still go see shows and I'm delighted and amazed by how good the people are it really is. It really is in our DNA somehow and in our blood. And by the way, Codco, that's a great troop that's really not mentioned enough. And every time I hear that, I still just, the song Dad in a Dress pops into my head automatically. Uh, but it is it is true. I mean, you know, we, the last couple of years, yes, the industry changed because, again, comics now had to flock to TikTok and YouTube and all these other platforms. And you had to become a content creator. You had no choice because there were no live shows. But nothing sort of replaces that feeling of being live on stage in the club in front of an audience and that sort of call and response that happens because there's that element of danger to it. There's that element of I'm seeing a live thing right now and anything can happen and it's real and it's electric and it's sort of in the moment. So as much as we do have these other great platforms, I think for a lot of comics, I'm sure all of you could speak to this. It probably does feel sometimes like, yeah, there's all those things, but when you can't do what it's all based around, which is going live on stage, everything kind of feels a bit like a placebo in a way. Yeah, which, by and, the way, that brings me to something I definitely want to uh, touch on with Scott and Sarah when we come back, which is, of course, how much the advent of podcasting has changed the game and how much of a kingmaker that is now in comedy. Uh, we might have lost them now, but we're going to get them we, back on. We're, we're still here. here. We're, just, we're just, still there. there. We're just going to plug the camera in. Oh, their <laughs> battery died. All right, still using batteries. That is radio in the post-pandemic world. We were hoping it would make it past the two-minute mark. <laughs> there we go. We're going to come back with more of our roundup panel. Lots more to get into. It's been again yet another weird and wild month we'll be back with more inside jokes right here on 640
Hi, my name is Tim Progosh. I'm listening to Inside Jokes, one of my favorite Inside programs, and I'm here to talk about the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Voting is opening this week, and you can vote for your favorite comedy icon. And please get out there and let us know why you're voting for him on social media. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. And as always, streaming all across the entire known goddamn universe on Global News Online. It is the end of another month of comedy, and that means it is time again for the roundup. We have a full panel of who's who in Canadian comedy just dissecting everything bizarre that has happened on and off stage this past month in comedy, showbiz, politics, and just the collapse of society as we know it. That seems to be pretty ongoing. Uh, but of course, we do have Scott and Sarah from the Scott vs. Sarah podcast. One thing I want to definitely pick your brains on, and certainly this is very much a relevant post-pandy topic, but podcasting. I mean, 10 years ago, podcasting was this weird sort of ham radio thing that comics were just sort of starting to mess around with. I feel like now it's sort of the new kingmaker in comedy. This is sort of the new era where you sort of go out, build your new audience. I mean, if you look at a lot of the headliners and a lot of the major festivals and a lot of the household names right now in comedy, that's their platforms, whether you like some of those hosts or not. But I mean, those are, that's where they built themselves this past decade. It really has changed the game. I mean, comics used to go, it's sort of the new late night TV in a way. Comics used to go on a late show and you'd get seen by that wide audience and you get called over for a chat and that was it. That meant you were doing something right and you were making it. It feels like podcasting in a lot of ways is sort of the new career launcher right now in comedy. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, yeah. I mean, the way <laughs> that's my hope. It, it's a, again, I think speaking to the just accessibility of it, um, if somebody likes a, a comedian that they saw and they can, they, you know, go check out and listen to more of what they have to say. I mean, podcasting a lot of the times, depending on how the structure it is, but can just feel like you're hanging out with that person and a lot of people when they're watching a comedy show be like oh wouldn't it be fun to hang out with that person and and it kind of almost gives them an opportunity to do so um and it allows us to, again to reach a broader audience uh it's um it's a definitely a saturated market oh, but time. There's, <laughs> it, it is starting to die down though i think i think uh covid a lot of people started one um and then now now that we're kind of, we're not fully out of it, but we're a little bit out of it. Um, it's starting to die off again. So people, you know, people might start a show, but it's maintaining a podcast. I yeah. think that can be hard because anyone can start one. I started one. Then <laughs> I did like six episodes and I got tired of all the technicality of it. So, right? so like, Sarah does it all now. <laughs> I do it all the time. Like I, I uh, my Intoxicate podcast, the other show I do, um, I've been doing that for six six years, so it's a long haul, just like stand up is. Mm -hmm. um, but my God, you need the consistency. You have to stick with it, and um, you know a lot of shows don't make it past seven episodes. Yeah. So are we are we allowed to use the phrase "long haul" anymore after COVID? By the way, I don't oh. know. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it is kind of interesting. It's. I mean, it's like you know, in cities like Toronto, it's like starting mics. A lot of people just can do yeah. it, and then two weeks later, they're gone. You know, not all the sea turtles are supposed to survive the swim. Is basically the thing, especially <laughs> exactly in, in Canadian yeah. comedy. But I think that is. I think that's why it's so. I think that's why podcasting has become so closely married to the world of comedy because I think 
if there is a stand-up that you're a fan of, when you listen to their podcast, because it is such a real and organic conversation and you're seeing them off stage removed from their material. So they're not sort of just this persona. They're in the room with another comedian or whoever having a chat. There's kind of this, I, I feel like podcast fans and podcast audiences kind of have this almost possessiveness of it in a way. It feels like that show was made just for you. It feels like you're yeah. in the group listening to a conversation that you're not supposed to overhear, like you're a fly on the wall yeah. to something that you shouldn't maybe be privy to. And I think that's what makes it a unique format for comedy. And as saturated as it is, it's still an avenue for you to put out content for people to hear you specifically. So I think a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, it didn't blow up right away. So I'm going to I'm going to give up on the endeavor. But you don't know that there might be people out there that are actually like truly enjoying what you're putting out there. And it can be it's I think for the average person, it's probably a lot slower of a spread and growth than Oh, yeah. Much like again, Canadian comedy. It's it's you. It's a long haul, or I guess we can't say mm -hmm. that. But long run. It, uh, you got to kind of like, I guess, adjust your expectations. Yeah, that time. you're putting this out for the people who are there for you. Yeah, not for everybody. It's like it's another avenue for you to put out uh, content, and that's good for you and what you are trying to do. So that's probably a, a large reason why a lot of comedians have podcasts. That and being starved for attention and validation exactly and the hope would always be you know if someone listens and hasn't seen the person do stand-up hopefully they come out to a show and vice versa hopefully people who see maybe scott or i at a show will subscribe to the podcast that's yeah. kind of ultimately the hope um it can be tough conversion but i think i think when it works it works good because that person likes you and they're gonna they're gonna go to shows for a reason and they're gonna keep listening to your podcast for a reason so it's finding your people I, kind of thing. I got a question for, for you guys then. Um, do you find that, like, because I know in trying to obtain any kind of, or, you know, Andrew, any kind of media attention, aside from inside jokes, is like pulling teeth. And that yeah. a lot of places don't have the staffs to go out and do these kind of interviews and, and show that kind of profile. But so do you think with your podcast that you're fulfilling that need of um, the people can't get the information anywhere else about what's going on? It's very difficult. I mean, there used to be uh, a guy just, just in charge of now magazine doing the listings for comedy in Toronto. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I would say it definitely opens up that door for, for you to put out, you know, again, with Sarah's other podcast, Intoxicated, she was interviewing a lot of like local comedians. And again, there might be a listener of her podcast who is a loyal listener and isn't really concerned about who the next guest is. They just like listening to the podcast and they get a lot of exposure that way. So especially for a local scene. Yeah. Yeah. For, for my show specifically, a lot of people would come on to promote shows or promote albums. If they had a stand-up album out, they would come on the podcast to, to talk about it. But also I would get to know them, you know, a bit more. A lot of people used to say that it was like the podcast was getting to know your colleagues better without actually having to ask them, the, you know, because yeah. I'm asking the questions. They're just kind of creepily listening. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of this weird, this weird avenue. So what you guys are saying is that outside of the mainstream media, the only other people focusing on the industry of comedy are people in comedy. Yeah. Like that. Is that right, yeah, Tim? Much so. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think that feels about right, Vince. I don't know. <laughs> well, look at that. Dean. We're the only people in mainstream media that focus on comedy. That's not the thing. We're the only people on Canadian radio 
focus on comedy. Good thing we are here forever. Uh, anyways, to, and actually, Andrew Barr, this is certainly relevant to you. I mean, obviously, you know, you're back out there on the road. You're back out touring. You're back out in the clubs. You're about to cut it, record a new album of material you've been honing. Does it kind of feel like there is a bit of a resurgence right now in live stand-up after everything that has gone on the last couple of years? Because pre-pandemic, we were starting to sort of tiptoe into this realm where everything had to have like a moral attached to it everything had to have a lesson a lot of the specials we saw coming up it was it was getting kind of tough sometimes to distinguish a comedy special from a ted talk at times but now it feels like there's a lot of new audience coming out and sort of this spring has happened again in, in comedy and you have all these audiences flocking out and packing theaters because i feel like after the last couple of years, I mean, you've got a pandemic and the climate's falling apart and there's war and all this crazy stuff going on in the world and all these political divides. Doesn't it feel right now like there's a lot of audience coming out going, I just want to be able to go in a, in a club for 90 minutes and for, put the real world on pause and be able to laugh at this stuff for a night? Yeah, I think um, crowds lately have been fun. When comedy first came back from the pandemic, crowds were like mental good. It, like everyone was so yeah. tired of being cooped up and so excited to be out in an event. So there was a really fun few months there where crowds were like, I will never take comedy for granted again. And then after six months, they started taking us for granted again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was a nice little window of time there where crowds were just so fun. Uh, and still, yeah, like I think... Generally speaking, when you go to a show and there's a paying crowd, they don't really care what you're going to talk about as long as it's funny. Yeah. Um, I do think if you want to sell yourself on a larger scale, it's good to have an angle of some kind just to separate you from uh, the rest of the pack. Like for a long time, I have been a straight white man who writes jokes and there are a million of me. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's hard to sell that. But um, in the last year, um, I'm also, it turns out, like a huge drug addict and I went to rehab. Um, and I've sobered up. Uh, so since then, I've been writing a lot more personal material about my time in rehab and, um, you know, recovery and everything like that. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, it's some of the best stuff I've written because it's personal. And I think it's also starting to give me an angle that can separate me from like the giant straight white guy pile. So, um, yeah, I think crowds are always happy to see good, well-written jokes and they don't really care what they're about or who it comes from. But also it's, you know, it's good to have your own thing. And that's the thing, too. I mean, and, and that's what I think is so fantastic about this upcoming album tape you're doing is, yeah, this is material that's very much raw still, I'm sure, and recent and very close to the chest for you. And I mean, audiences pick up on that. We we never give audiences enough credit. They They pick that up in the room when there's that genuineness to it and that relatability. It's like... Yeah, this comic is doing something that obviously is very close to the chest for them. Uh, we got more to wrap it up with our roundup panel. We'll be right back right here on Inside Jokes. I'm Scott McLean. And I'm Sarah McClellan. And we are the hosts of the Scott vs. Sarah podcast, and you are listening to Inside Jokes. Sitting on a riverboat, having a party, me and my Cajun queen. She's turning 21 on the Mississippi River. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. We are, of course, the only terrestrial radio show in Canada covering the world of comedy and don't you worry that'll be the case for years to come 
We have a full panel here on the Roundup. It is a veritable who's who of Canadian comedy and all the things to unpack from this bizarre past month on and off stage. Uh, one thing I do want to get into, because there's a little bit of a petition we tried to get going a couple months ago here on Inside Jokes, when, of course, the iconic Gordon Lightfoot passed away. I started this on the show because I was saying mm. Canada is a four-gourd country. Four gourds and seven beers ago. Okay, so we need to mount gourd more in this country because you would have Gordon Lightfoot, the late great Gord Downey, Gordy Howe, and of course the great Canadian character actor Gordon Pinsent. This is a four gourd country. That's just a fact. But I wanted to ask our panel if we could have a Mount Rushmore of comedy in this country, and of course certainly relevant to the uh, Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Who would we have on there? Who are our big titans that sort of paved the way for everybody in this country and who, regardless of what level of notoriety they might have with a household audience, who who would we have on there? Who Who's our big sort of trailblazers in this country that started it all? Damn. Uh, I'll jump in. I'll, Dave Broadfoot, I think, would have to be the first. He's the first guy I know doing. They were one-person shows, but it was basically stand-up. He did sketch, but he basically toured across the country uh, doing stand-up. And, uh, um, and of course, my... Uh, my favorite was always uh, Mike McDonald. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, I can go back to a whole bunch of people, but let's hear from everyone. I'm interested in what everybody else thinks. Uh, I think Mike McDonald is a great pick. He's He was one of those guys where uh, he just toured so much that I, I've heard, like, if you talk to any road comic in America as well, like, they have a Mike McDonald story. Um, just a, a truly, like, you know, a proper road warrior of a guy. I'm, I'm, I only ever got to work with him one time, and I really wish that I got to see more of him uh, before he passed. Uh, if we're going to keep on the Mike train, I'm a big Mike Wilmot guy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask if they had to be dead, but I, was say <laughs> yeah. Mike He's, I think he almost died at one point. So yeah. that <laughs> um, but no, Wilmot is one of those guys, like, um, you know, some some of the best performances I've ever seen in my entire life in any art form are Wilmot. When he's hot, it's truly something to behold. And he's a dude who's still always writing and working and like talks to young comics and loves the craft and loves being around it. And, you know, even now that he's a little bit older, you can tell that he's not at all jaded and he's, he's still out there having fun. Uh, and you really, you know, I love seeing that. That is true, by the way, because I think, you know, and certainly the last couple of years, one thing that comics were deprived of was being around other comics and being in the green room and just being at the show. Because I think, yes, comedy is a sort of a lone wolf pursuit and it is competitive, especially in this country, because there's only, you know, X, Y, Z amount of festivals and clubs and such and such. But at the end of the day, comics need to be around other comics and feed off each other. They really are pack animals. And it really is. I don't know. It's the island of misfit toys. <laughs> Yeah. You have to be wired a certain way to do this for a living, for sure. I got another name for it, uh, Elvira Kurt. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 She she was a real forerunner and still is out there doing it and can still go up on any stage and and deliver uh, for sure. Like you know, and and uh, um, on the stand up circuit. But you know, when you get when you get into sketch and stuff like that, it's got you've got to think of Mary Walsh. From yep. Cod to this hour's 22 minutes strong career, he's another one that would light it up. Well, Vera Kurt's an interesting one, too, especially topical, considering, you know, Pride Month and all the slew of shows that happened for that. But, I mean, you look at Elvira Kurt and Scott Thompson, those were sort of the really the only two queer comics out there 
doing these characters and doing this material on stage, nobody else was doing that. You might have the one or two quote unquote token comics on any given show, but you had Scott Thompson on national TV yeah. doing buddy Cole and running F word and all that. You know, I can't say that on the radio anymore, but uh, <laughs> they pay, they paved a lot of way for a lot of comics out there right now. And especially relevant right now, I would say. Uh, and I got to throw Norm Macdonald in there. Okay, I, I was yeah. going to say, it's going to be sacrilegious if nobody says Norm Macdonald. Yeah, you got to have Norm in there. And of course, very, you know, recent recent for us in this country. But you got to have Norm up there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I can watch a Norm. I, I mean, I'll just go through clips of Norm on YouTube and watch the same one a thousand times. Know exactly <laughs> how it's going to play out, all the cadences, and I'll die every time. I'll never stop watching Norm. He's incredible. So... I'm glad you said it because I was I was starting to turn even redder. <laughs> well, and then John John Candy, you can, like the, there's so many. It's just yeah. there's just too yeah. many. I, mean, I was writing a list. It's like the entire cast of SCTV, the entire cast of Kids in the Hall. How yeah. do you pick just four? Yeah. That's what John Dor. I was thinking John, John Dor. I was the, I was yeah. trying to think of a woman, and I was like, why can't I? And John Dor kept coming to mind. To mind. I also feel like this is like the most hated question I ever get because I'm because I I can the ne list never ends. I can just keep it going is. and yeah, it's everybody's how you got their personal down, favorites. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those, I mean, I'm certainly for all of you as working comics, I mean, it's you know, again, there's so many people you see and work with in this country where you as a comic end up being a, a fan of theirs because just those people who when they walk into a room, they're naturally funny. Those comics who you yes. just want to hang out with them backstage because that's where they're making you laugh because they mm -hmm. just have that energy to them the second they walk into a room. I think Norm was always like that. I mean, that's why those late show clips are always so rewatchable because you're just feeding off of everyone's reaction around them because you know something's coming every single time. Exactly. Very cheeky. Well, Very another cheeky. name that comes to mind for me, uh, Nathan McIntosh, one yeah. of my favorites. Yeah local guy uh doing great in the states and i just yeah he kills me every time he's one of my favorite uh people to watch you know we've seen him do open mics here in halifax and treat it like a yucky yeah. show that's you know? one thing so, i think he's a great guy, for yeah. new comedians if you can watch nathan mcintosh Close as a mic. new comedian on any i mean open one he he gives it his all every time and i think you know you can get stuck in that oh there's only like 12 people here oh what am i gonna it's like no give it your all like this is a performance for people so i i like it because he really respects what he's doing up there the fact that it's a show that you have people's time yeah. and uh, and it obviously is really funny yeah one comic i always want to give a shout out who obviously for years was part of this scene specifically in toronto but was is Christina Walkinshaw because what I loved mm. about Walkinshaw, not just on stage as a comic, but off stage, Walkinshaw was always this sort of Pied Piper for open micers because this was a comic that had already, you know, you'd been seeing on TV for years and was already established in the scene, but was always so gracious with new comics, introducing yeah. them to bookers and giving them pointers on their sets and just hanging out with them and shooting the shit, which I think. That in itself is so much at the core of Canadian comedy and what happens backstage. Uh, but we really could go all day on this panel. There's yeah. so much stuff we didn't even touch on. But before we wrap it up, I want to grab everybody's plugs. Uh, so Scott and Sarah, we'll start with you. Where can we grab the podcast, old, follow you online, all that good stuff? To get oh my goodness. Uh, we are on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon. Uh, and we also are on YouTube, so Instagram, and um, TikTok. Um, yep, everywhere. Scott vs. Sarah podcast on Instagram. Scott vs. Sarah on on uh, TikTok. And I think if you go to our Instagram, Scott vs. Sarah podcast, uh, you can find a link tree for every platform that we can be downloaded on. So. And we very much enjoy user interaction we want feedback from what people think we talk about some pretty like 
egregious and maybe uh, uh, hot topics, I guess. We hate using that word, but it's great to have feedback in comments sections or private messages, whatever. And to give us a future episode. We want want our listeners to get involved. There you go. You can at them, as the kids say. You have an all-new album taken, which, again, it's fantastic to hear that this is obviously some material that's very raw and recent for you, very close to the chest. So those are going to be some electric live shows. Where can we catch those tapings coming up here in Toronto? Um, the, 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 the taping, um, yeah, that uh, is going to be happening after this airs is uh, Monday, June 26th at Comedy Bar at 8 p.m. The show's called Andrew Bar Rehab. Uh, it's sort of an honest and lighthearted take on my journey from addiction to sobriety recently. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited that we're going to be donating a portion of the proceeds um, to the Renaissance Center, which is the... Um, the recovery center that I passed through. Uh, as a Canadian comic, I went to the cheapest possible rehab center available. And, uh, they did a they did a very good job, but certainly those guys could use uh, some bells and whistles around the house to kind of liven the place up. So I'm excited to be able to give them some money. Beautiful, I love that man, and that's such a full circle thing. So go out and hit up comedybar.ca. Do not miss those recordings. And of last but certainly not least, Tim, where can we check out Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame and this year's list of inductees and all that good stuff? Uh, CanadianComedyHall.com. Voting is on for the nominees to narrow it down to the inductees, which will be inducted at a festival in Hamilton, February 21st to the 25th of next year. Hamilton's right behind if we have a three-year commitment. There we go. Beautiful. That is our roundup. That is our panel. Don't forget, you can stream all of our episodes right back to the beginning of time on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week. This week's Comedy Rx is Andrew Barr. I'm uh, from a small town originally. Are any of you guys small town folk? <laughs> Two or three of you. <laughs> Seems statistically accurate, if nothing else. Uh, I can out small town most people. The town that I am from uh, does not have a gas station which uh, already is embarrassing. But here's the thing. We have uh, two different stores that exclusively sell fudge. (laughs) So I feel like those are kind of strange priorities Uh, because who needs to drive anywhere when you're in walking distance of fudge? You guys are like, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. It's like you grew up in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Uh, But the reality of the situation is just rampant diabetes.